open source framework because that's how we describe WordPress and the enterprise, an open source framework. If I'm going to save money by using open source. A2 Hosting offers solutions for WordPress and WooCommerce that are both blazing fast and ultra-reliable. WordPress can be used on any web hosting plan from A2. You can deploy WordPress easily on shared, VPS, or dedicated hosting plans. A2 also offers managed WordPress and WooCommerce hosting. Take a look at a2hosting.com today. Hey everybody, welcome back to Post Status Draft. Um, this is going to be a great conversation, one I've been wanting to have as I've learned and explored more about WordPress on the enterprise. And so this is under our agency, kind of both agency series and product, because it it's it's both because of what our, uh, the three people that are here today do uh, full time for Crowd Favorite. Um, but so we're going to be talking about. WordPress enterprise products. I spent uh, my career in WordPress building products, not me personally, but leading a team that built products, but it was different from the enterprise space. As I told these gentlemen, they know very well, um, that's a whole different set of um, product uses and customers and needs, frankly. So we had a product that had was on the repo and had a million installs. That's way different product than what we're talking about today, which is why I wanted to have this conversation. I want to have more of these WordPress on the enterprise conversations because I think it's so critical to WordPress overall. Um, for years, friends like Cream, who I'll introduce in just a second, um, have done this cool work and I get to, and members of post status get to brag about my friends that do these cool sites that everybody knows what they are. And I go, that's about as much as I know. I know they use WordPress. I know these are awesome people building for it. And these are brand names that, you know, so anyway, I'm excited for this conversation. Um, so I have my dear friends, Cream and Pat, who I've known for, I don't know, 10 plus years, and my newest friend, Alex, who I get to meet, all from Crowd Favorite. Uh, but I'm going to let you all introduce yourself. Cream, um, I know your background go is vast. Even before WordPress, you were doing some cool things in business that you took over when you started um, your agency way back in the day before it was called Crowd Favorite. Um, but I'm going to let you introduce yourself. All that to say, it's going to be a fun conversation today. Thank you so much. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Uh, I love hanging out with you and having these conversations with you because they're amazing. Um, you mentioned I've, I've been around since before WordPress. Yeah. Uh, at the end of this year, I'll be, I'll be celebrating my 30th year of delivering CMS solutions for the enterprise. That's been way too long. <laughs> I've only been in the WordPress space for about 13 years. I've, I found open source like you find religion, and I love it. Um, it's been the best thing for our enterprise clients. So I'm CEO of CrowdFavorite. Um, just for those of you who don't have a, a deep WordPress history, CrowdFavorite was founded by Alex King, um, one of the first contributors to the WordPress project after uh, Matt and Mike. Um, and CrowdFavorite, uh, under the leadership of Alex King, really did some of the first big scaling publishing sites um, in the WordPress world. So we are proud to carry that name forward today. 
You know, you mentioned Alex, and when I was a, just using WordPress in 2006, when you install it, this is how far Alex and CrowdFavorite go back to, is, you know, you install WordPress, you get a blog roll by default. And there'd be a bunch of names, you're like, oh, who's all these names? Yep. But there's always Alex on there. And uh, I got to meet Alex in 2010, and then I was excited when you all joined forces and became CrowdFavorite, because what you're doing in the space, too, I think I met you right about... 2011 maybe cream i mean it was pretty early yeah and i was like who's this guy who is is uh knows his stuff and quite charming and uh that led to i don't know gosh has it been like hundreds of times we've had dinner together and uh you stopped by during covid and got to hang out on the back porch as you're going across country uh and then and of course right on the tails of cream is pat who i've known just as long so and excited when Pat was a part of Crowd Favorite as well. But Pat, uh, could you introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, Pat Ramsey, uh, Director of Technology here at Crowd Favorite. Um, I've been here a little over eight years, but um, I was scratching my brain there because I think it was WordCamp Dallas 2009 when I met you and your team, Corey, um, back in the day there at, uh, I think it was UT Dallas at that conference center that was there. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And you were showing, you know, you guys were, you guys were doing all of the theme work on the back end where it was all user configurable. Uh, and, uh, I had a very, uh, it was a short, but intense conversation with one of your devs about the pros and cons of doing that and allowing that in the back end versus not, um, here we are now still. So it's, it's fantastic. Um, you mentioned that, uh, Alex King showing up in the blog role. It was 2000 five or six and uh he answered one of my support questions on wordpress back then um and i remember seeing him in that uh i think it was that that old green blocky looking default theme uh mm -hmm. and being mm -hmm. in that sidebar so that was uh that was fun gosh I, so kareem pat predates our friendship <laughs> it does it does pat is one of the the og wordpress people in the community Absolutely. That was a good time. I do remember that. That was a historic time for us too, because we were doing iThemes Builder at the time, I think is what you're talking about. Yeah. And then if you'll remember real quick, piece of nostalgia, Alex and everybody else, um, uh, that dev you're talking about, Christine, who is now at Automatic, uh, came to me and he goes, hey, I just met this 16-year-old kid doing some incredible stuff, like mind-blowing. I was like, Chris, you're one of the smartest people I know. So <laughs> you're telling me somebody, I got to go meet this person. It was Clay Griffiths of Headway Themes. So that was a historic one for us, too, in the friendship. All right. Thanks, Pat. Alex. The new kid bringing up the year. Uh, My newest friend, go. yes. <laughs> yeah, so I'm Alex Nitsu. I'm a product manager at Crowd Favorite. Um, I've always been a techie ever since I was a little, it's that millennial, millennial generation that just grew up with uh, computers and the internet developing as I did. Um, and so, yeah, I bounced around between startups, government agencies, uh, boutique agencies until I finally found Crowd Favorite. And that was really uh, a kismet moment that I've, I felt like I found my tribe. I'm like, yep, these are the, the guys that I'm going to build great things with. 
uh, and so yeah now i'm super passionate about open source and uh, what uh, what we're building uh, at our favorite i think it's uh, very interesting and can't wait to share it with you and everybody else absolutely well i got to meet alex last week and he showed me the product they're working on and i was really impressed and particularly his passion and vision for what what he's doing with the product so that's okay. Thanks for sharing a little bit about yourselves. Let's dive right into the topic, which is WordPress enterprise products. Um, like I said, Kareem, this is compelling to me because I've always been proud of and envious of my friends that operate in the enterprise space, but I just go, I don't even know what it's like to work with some of the huge companies. I know you all work with, mm -hmm. um, but I know your passion for open source, the open web and down to WordPress paired with vast experience working with these huge companies. So when we're talking about WordPress products in the enterprise, what comes to your mind? Why are we even talking about this? I think I know what I'm, why we're talking about, it, but I'm curious to know your perspective on this. Yeah. So the biggest, the biggest difference when I talk to folks who've come over from the, from the consumer world is less than 10% of enterprise software products, I'm not talking about SaaS, I'm talking about software products, less than 10% of software products for the enterprise are turnkey. You install them, you hand over an interface, and they just use it. Most are what we call an 80% solution. Um, a great example of this was even um, in, in the early days of Crowd Favorite, um, Alex King released a product called Ramp which was for moving content from one complex environment to another. And they could never get that last interface right because in the enterprise, everybody's workflow is so different yeah. that you have to customize that last 20% on every install. So even though this sounds crazy in the consumer world, we're building products that we are just doing 80% of the product and then we may install it three, four, five times, not 5,000 or 6,000. But those three, four, or five times, it's a custom installation each time. It's a custom process. That's the So, process. yeah. And, and I know from talking to you in the past about that, that, I, you know, the consumer type products we release, you go, okay, it's mostly one size fits all. You know, there's edge cases that's not going to work, but on the enterprise presents a whole different set of um, challenges, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. So I get that too. And where the needs are just really vastly different and need that kind of customization. You mentioned something that's interesting to me. You said software product versus SaaS. Mm -hmm. So t tell me that distinction. Cause there's one I just picked up on. I go, okay, I need to dig into that one because that's different. I, I understand software versus SaaS, but on the enterprise perspective. Well, on the enterprise perspective, you absolutely have SaaS products that are ready to go. Uh, more likely than not, though, even large software implementations that you expect to be SaaS, if you're an enterprise that has enough money, you're getting your own custom version of even that SaaS product. <clears throat> but you know, there's Salesforce, there's uh, HubSpot, there's a lot of products out there that they, they promote the fact that they have an enterprise product that's just you log in and you go. But reality of the top tier of enterprise is that they want whatever product they're using to be adapted to their workflow. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's why we make a distinction sometimes. There are plug and play SaaSs for the enterprise, 
And then there's also just the traditional sort of software architecture where you have to do this last 20%. And then there's what Alex and our team is playing with right now. We've been working on uh, personalization products for about six years now for our clients directly. And each time they're different, but we started playing around with progressive profiling and uh, conditional content, all these types of concepts. So we started releasing in a public, uh, in a, in a um, plugin on the repository, just some of the code to play with. First it was on GitHub, then we moved it to the repository. And now lately, we've been trying to see what does it look like to actually hook up some of these APIs to third parties and actually try to create a little bit more of a standardized product. But still, we're finding that the customers who are enterprise clients will download our um, DXP toolkit product, the free version from the repository. Then they'll contact us and they'll say, we need XYZ customizations. And it ends up being something that is completely custom for that client. See, I'll hold this question, but that, that presents a whole different, it feels like pricing model from B to C, which is, hey, buy this. Good to go. Um, but I'll save that for later on in the conversation. Um, but I'm curious, I know you've told me too, this is the next frontier for WordPress um, mm -hmm. in the enterprise specifically, but you're seeing things. And, and even if you've been working on these things for six years, I know you've been talking about it since we've met right. uh, because we, we tried to figure out, okay, you know, this space, we do products. How do, how do we do this? You've been thinking, working on these things for a long time, but you're obviously seeing things. What are you seeing out there? The opportunities uh, I'm sure through your actual enterprise clients. So the, the largest opportunity we're seeing is clients pushing the limits of what their expectations are with SaaS products or with installed versions of CMSs, whether it's WordPress or something else. Because, you know, in the WordPress world, we're used to looking at the, the, the uh, .org repository and we have 65 or 70,000 plugins in there now. And what ends up happening is um, we're thinking about that as our world, but in the enterprise, um, I think that over the last 12 years, it's gone from something like 1,200 SaaS products to over 10,000 SaaS products. And the enterprise is going, I want to try these innovations. How do I try these innovations? And they're stuck with, like, how do I churn away from one SaaS to another? What do I do? Yeah. So there's this opportunity at the moment right now. If you think of the concept of a bicycle wheel, we can use the WordPress project and open source as a hub to use spokes to connect out to any number of SASs, but keep the experience and the roadmap of where you want to go within the WordPress project and what you're doing in WordPress. And then if you want to move from one CRM package to the next CRM package, as long as you're connecting in the right way and having the right data policies, you can detach and reattach. You can do all sorts of things. It's a little bit more complicated than I'm making it sound, but the bottom line is that the enterprise clients have the opportunity to try things and maintain their roadmap. So this is a giant opportunity for the WordPress project to say, we're going to be a Swiss army knife. We're going to be a hub. So that way, enterprise customers can connect to one thing, try the next, try the next, 
and still maintain their own vision of what their roadmap is. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, Alex, you came off me. Do you, you all two have, have a comment on that? Oh, I could talk for days uh, on this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Really, That's a loaded question. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm echoing a lot, uh, a lot of what you guys are saying, because uh, really it's about um, breaking that that tip of the iceberg and democratizing all of these uh, uh, these solutions that don't necessarily are are necessarily easy to to implement. Uh, be it by cost of ownerships, by uh, difficulty of implementation, by uh, by in a by a case by case manner where your infrastructure or your your needs need to be uh, uh, solved in a, in a bespoke manner. Uh, so that's really about uh, finding that middle ground where uh, you don't need all that resources or you are able to own your data or own your infrastructure and, uh, and your, digital, uh, your digital presence. I, l I love what you said too, Kareem. Um, and we're going to have a conversation in a couple of weeks about more... Uh, broader topic in WordPress and the enterprise. And I really appreciate your leadership in, in our community uh, for WordPress on the enterprise, making sure the concerns, the needs, the challenges are heard. And then a crowd favorite, I love what you're doing. You're providing s some solutions to meet those needs you're seeing on um, the enterprise. But if I may, there's, there's a specific opportunity for everybody out there who's looking at what products they could come up with to not only think about how do I make a product that I'm going to make for an end user, but you can make a customizable product. There's lots of examples out there these days, but you can make a customizable product where you can be solving a deep problem rather than a wide problem. Mm. And you're not, you're not charging the consumer level prices. There's so much opportunity for, for connecting to other SaaSs, to other uh, solutions that are next to WordPress and outside of WordPress that just haven't even been tapped. The plugin community in WordPress has traditionally stayed within how do I help the self-service, um, the self-service web designer, manager, uh, admin, right? Um, there's so many more things that can be done. It's just a matter of seeing deep rather than wide. I think that's mm. where I want to start that conversation. I know yeah. good views on this too, so I'm going to shut up. Yeah, no, I like that deep. That that's a perspective shift for a lot of uh, developers, as you know, Kareem, in the space. Um, Pat, I'm curious your take on all this. Um, yeah, what you're seeing too. Well, I think uh, Kareem said it earlier, you know, we're seeing people push the boundaries with these things and the explosion in SaaS especially since 2020. And everybody going home and staying out of the office and deciding to build everything online, uh, you just saw this, this exponential explosion in uh, services that are out there, data services, data, you know, services for moving data, services for transforming data, services for connecting to this uh, dropship place, service for calculating something. It, it's not even, you know, it, it's, it's very minuscule you know, uh, unitasker type things that are out there now that you just didn't see before. Um, and so there's 20 million of them uh, and everybody wants to connect to them and do this and do that and do, you know, do the other thing with it. Um, I think, you know, one of the 
one of the biggest challenges is, uh, you know, wading through all of those that are out there and finding what that set is that your, your customer needs. So that makes productization a little bit difficult. You can't just, oh, install this and it's going to magically connect. Um, you know, one of the, the phrases that I've, I sort of hate these days is this no code, the idea of no code. Somebody wrote code for no code to work. Uh, it's, mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, I, I said this to the guys earlier, you know, even the Rosetta Stone, which translated, you know, three or four of the world's foremost languages, somebody had to sit there and carve all those things in the rock. So you got to write code to make these things work. And that's where a lot of the work that we do in this space comes into play is you've got SASs that are out there and you've got your CMS and, and Cream's exactly right. WordPress is uniquely positioned to be that central connecting piece through its API and through its open architecture to connect to X, Y, and Z and bring it together uh, for, for your customers to be able to do the things they need to do. And so uh, it, it is a really rich space. It is a different space than what you see in 95% of the product conversations that have happened in, in you know, since the days of, of, of you know, the first Pagely, uh, you know, the, over a decade, it's, it's uh, been a challenge to hit that explosion in the enterprise space for products as it, as it has been for mass market, simply because the requirements are far more complex. Mm. Yeah, it's like Kareem said, they want to try things. It's really compelling to me. They want to try the things they're seeing out there. And and then, but have this massive, I can't even imagine the roadmaps you all, you particularly, Pat, I know, manage those teams and services and how they could try it. Something they see out there, want to try it, but it's big, massive thing they've got going in their roadmap that they they're want to try out and figure that out. Um, and they'll push the limits on them too. You know, like you said, they'll push the limits, you know, they'll, they'll find a way to break, uh, to break a server, you know, because of just, you know, the sheer amounts of, of data that they have to deal with. They'll find a way to push an API to timeout simply because there's just too much that has to happen. You know, there, there will be a business case in there somewhere that prevents 90% of the answers that you read about in any tech site on how to fix the problem, you can't because of a business case that exists. So you've got to sit there and figure out another way around it. And it, it might sound, you know, bubble gum and rubber bands, but, uh, you know, that's, that's the world that you, you know, th that you live in, in this space. You can't just say, oh, well, you know, you just have to do this. No, you can't. You know, there's a security policy, there's a, there's a business requirement, there's, uh, you know, an absolute critical system that can never be turned off or, or, you know, shut down or something like that. So you have to, you have to sit there and stand on your head, you know, lay upside down, whatever it is to, to try to figure out how do we go from here to here? Because it's not the path that everybody else is taking. Mm -hmm. And it seems like that when they want to try, like Kareem was saying something, some department within an organization goes, we want to do this. We like this. We want to do this. They need a safe environment and a safe place to be able to do those things. It doesn't disrupt all those other things. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I need you can speak for Alex can speak for himself, but I'm sure um, what I hear him say is that he loves the fact that he's solving problems one at a time for clients. He gets to go deep so that 
he's constantly trying to figure out whether it's our service clients or how to productize what we've done for one client and install it over three, four, five, six other clients. Like trying to solve that problem deeply for clients is, is something that's a different world than consumer, but it's not harder. It's just different. You can't charge the lower rates that you would charge for a consumer product, but you can solve that problem on a large scale, right? It's, it seems like it's product with service. I mean, dependent on some of those service-based customizations you need to do. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel as though, sorry, I feel as though uh, it's, uh, it's, it's absolutely right. There's two completely different uh, roadmaps for uh, a, a general consumer product and an enterprise focused uh, product. And uh, with Car Favorite, I think we are fortuitous enough to um, be able to have this data set where uh, we can uh, uh, drive a roadmap that is lean and it is uh, particularly focused for uh, the enterprise needs and use that to, to provide that, uh, that white glove uh, enterprise uh, uh, service and, and uh, an experience um, with, uh, with a product to match that uh, gives you that flexibility for innovation, for, um, for testing and for uh, um, you know, uh, essentially volatility and, uh, and ease of expansion. It's almost like they want to go to Everest and you're helicoptering in to base camp. <laughs> that's that's the product. And then, hey, this is how we want to climb Everest. And uh, you all are, are the people that help them get there. So, Alex, um, so Alex, I, I'm curious now. We've heard from Pat and Kareem. Now, when we get down to the level of like, Kareem's highlighted the general topic personalization, but as the product manager for Crowd Favorite building a product. Tell us what that is and what are those problems you're solving for? Sure. So um, it's really, um, it's an integral part of a DXP, a digital, uh, a digital experience platform. Um, and if you break it down into its, uh, into its uh, founding uh, parts, personalization is, uh, is quite a large piece of that pie. Um, and what personalization really is, it's really just dynamic content displayed um, for a, for a uh, custom tailored uh, user, right? So that uh, is your user segments and all of that starts from uh, from your data set and this uh, feeds back into the idea of uh, data ownership and um, being able to as a company to to fully own your data um, so that uh, encompasses a lot more than just having access to it or being able to to view it or um, or export it uh, so going from that you uh, as if you know your user base and you know your user personas and uh, the target audience that you're that you're uh, mainly uh, interested in and focused on uh, it's that much easier to to provide a, a tailored and a bespoke uh, a bespoke experience to to each of those uh, of those uh, user types, uh, and then uh, after that, it's really uh, all about the the content, the editorial experience. Um, so with uh, with our personalization product, um, we we do our best to um, not add additional steps to your workflow or uh, impact your your day to 
day-to-day, uh, your day-to-day uh, uh, job. Um, and it's meant to expand on it, to improve on it, and to uh, to make it that much uh, that much more beautiful and and captivating, um, uh, that much more engaging, really. Um, and then that's uh, that's reflected in the, um, the the product interface as well as the uh, general user experience for it. So whereas with uh, different SaaS services, and don't get me wrong, I absolutely t- t- like SaaS. Uh, so, solutions and uh, I absolutely believe there are a uh, time and a place for them um, but with this uh, type of enterprise focused be- uh, bespoke product you get to keep your, your workflow you don't have to have that long onboarding experience where you need to completely revamp your methodology uh, you get to maintain your uh, your own uh, your own set of, uh, of steps uh, to accomplish and then and then just um, amplify them or augment them uh, it's still part of your uh, your same workflow. Uh, so that's what I believe we've uh, we've managed to accomplish with uh, with the XP toolkit. What are a couple of the things that you're excited about with this particular product that you're working on or or have done with it? Sure, sure. So uh, again, it feeds back into into owning your data, right? So if you think about it, where can you best uh, identify these uh, these user personas? Well, that comes from your analytics engines, that comes from your CRMs, that comes from all these types of of uh, customer experience or or uh, uh, management uh, uh, platforms. So what we did was um, again focusing and using the data set that we have access to. We've identified all of these um, major Major uh, integration components and uh, and tackle them one by one. So we're now able to fully integrate with uh, your analytics services, with Salesforce, with all of these types of CRMs and platforms that are data driven. Driven uh, to then uh, use all of that, all of those data points to effectively uh, personalize your content and display it uh, for a particular uh, use case or user persona. Yes, what, I, what I feel is is uh, most exciting, uh, having all of those user segments and all of that data already ex- existing and reporting and configured to your liking, and then just uh, as simple as a, with a click of a button, being able to um, personalize content for that particular uh, subgroup of, of visitors or users. So Alex just went deep on something that I think needs to be called out because it's second nature to some of us sometimes when we're dealing with our clients, but folks might not realize it on the consumer side. Um, When I said earlier about solving a problem deeply, Alex just gave a great example. Um, We work on a lot of personalization and um, the progressive profiling for clients. And... We actually use the plugin we have on the WordPress repository um, as a sort of a sandbox, a place to play around with certain aspects. We package the things there that we can package in our sort of, you can install it and use it. But you'll notice that we're trying to solve a problem even in that deeply. So we're not building our own little analytics piece within the personalization. We're saying this is going to do content rules. If you want to see what's coming out of the content shifts you're making on your website when you're customizing page A or page B or you know block A or block B, um, go check out your Matomo installation because we plug into that. Go check out your GA4 because we plug into that. In the consumer world, there's a lot of um, 
plugin and application bloat because developers tend to try and create more and more and more features, again, wide rather than deep. Do what you're doing best, solve your problem well and in a performant fashion, and then connect to a best of breed solution for analytics. So Alex said that very quickly. So the developers on this conversation pick that up, but for, for the folks who are talking about creating products, you know, think that way. There's a way to go deep. Yep, Pat. Well, there, there is exactly, but I think you, you're illustrating perfectly that difference between mass market audiences and the enterprise audiences. Uh, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with something like uh, like a Jetpack stats that's out there for your your mass market audience. There's nothing wrong with that at all. The WP Analytics, uh, some of the little analytics plugins that have been out there that have built that bring analytics into your site because you know you you need that. That's that democratization of the abilities so that anybody who can get that code and install it can get it up and running and have a, have a website with those tools there. We don't see that in the enterprise space, though, because in the enterprise space, they're going to be they're going to look at they're going to look at that and go, no, we've got 12 years in an Adobe Analytics system that we're not getting rid of. We've got a decade in Google Analytics. You know, we've got our own install of PWIC before it became Matomo, and we cannot get rid of that data. You can argue whether or not some of that needs to go or stay. That's a different conversation. But the point is, they're not going to change to a turnkey little solution that that sort of one size fits all type of things that works in the mass market space. That's that's the perfect example of that paradigm shift that we have to deal with. So our approach has been, we're not gonna tell you to use this CRM or that CRM or this analytics tool or that analytics tool or, or what have you, this mail platform versus this mail platform. Does it have an API? Do the endpoints exist that are, are gonna get that data that we need? let's build all that up and get that connected in here so that now you're as a marketing team, not so much the tech team, but over here to your marketing team, you can be creating content and reading the re results and the impact and the reach and the effectiveness of all of that. And based on that, do new content, do different journeys, do different things. So it's, it's bridging the data, the analytics, and everything together in your CMS. Yeah, I love that, doing the one thing, um, because I can also just kind of predict or look to see that when you can't bloat with some of these sites we're talking about, you can't bloat. You don't want to bloat. It's going to have performance issues, as Kareem mentioned. Um, before we get to the money question, here's the thing I want to ask, because I've heard this a couple times. Um, this I love that you're doing personalization because that really triggers my marketing side. I go, oh, I love WordPress. One of the awesome benefits of WordPress is you can put your things online. You can test ideas. You can test new marketing things. And many of our um, agency members who serve the enterprise talk a lot about what I hear is they love WordPress on the enterprise because of two things. It's faster and it's probably cheaper. And I don't mean that to, to downgrade. It's like they can get the products they want faster and more affordably than they can from proprietary. Mm -hmm. And the third thing when 
and you said this and I keep coming back to it. When you hear, when you say the word try, I think marketing, I want to be able to try this new concept, try this new idea, try this new strategy or tactic. Um, and so it seems like on the personalization, you're camping out with what I think is a strength of WordPress overall, but especially in enterprises, marketing people love WordPress on the enterprise because of these things. Mm-hmm. Right. It, that's yeah. exactly the case. We're yeah. able we're able to create a feature for a client that is sometimes a third of the cost of an enterprise product or SaaS platform out there. I won't name any names to piss people off. Um, but then, when you said cheap, it's not about cheap because if they're saving 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 percent. Because they're using WordPress, it's not that they're being cheap. They're actually putting that money back into trying something new, just like you said. They can put that money back into marketing. They can put that money back into, well, there's a new email solution out there that does something different. Let's try that. There's a new thing that's out there. How do we look up to that? So the cheap conversation goes away and it becomes of, how am I spending my money? If I'm saving money because I'm using an open source framework, because that's how we describe WordPress and the enterprise, an open source framework. If I'm going to save money by using an open source framework, how can I make the money give me a better return on investment in my marketing? It's it's a no-brain, no-brainer sale. One more thing before we talk about money. Um, actually, two things. One, another phrase you said was own your data. And that seems to be extremely powerful, especially in the age increasingly more and more um, privacy uh, mm-hmm. issues coming on. You know, GDPR was a bit, it was a big wave and I think it was a good wave, but it was a big wave for a lot of us that do online work. Um, but, you know, Alex, can you speak to her a second? There's two, two avatars. You're kind of two people groups. You're kind of hitting with this. And I want to give you a second to speak to that. It seems like there's, the developer on team at the company that you've like, Hey, we're not going to blow it. Like Pat said, we're going to get in and do our job. We're not going to try to recreate Google analytics for you. Like, no, you just need this bridge. You need, we're going to do our job, do it fast, slim, secure, um, not bloated. And then the other side is these is marketers sitting there going, please give me these tools so I can do these things and try these things to, to grow our company. Would you speak to a second from a product perspective to those two avatars, what you're trying to do? Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, from my POV, um, it's really a completely different value proposition when you're talking about uh, enterprise. Um, and from uh, what I found, it's uh, it's all about um, the cost of onboarding and the cost of ownership for that particular solution. Right. Um, and the advantage with these uh, open source composable um, um, uh, products is that you do uh, have um, a minimal footprint on what what it means to to um, onboard, offboard, move around, experiment, and um, uh, confirm and and reiterate, right? Um, and then in the case of, of personalization, with uh, with these two main uh, again user personas uh, speaking back in the personalization terms, um, we need to to identify what really are the 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 pain points or the the costs of of um, building or uh, creating content 
content that is personalized with the XP toolkit. Um, and from the one end is the actual usage and uh, um, the creation of that content. So that's where the marketer comes in, where you don't need to have a technical background to be just be able to create content and uh, and uh, effectively target that content to your desired user base. Um, so the, this uh, um, ties back into what I was saying about that uh, that intuitive and fluent user experience, where it doesn't detract from your uh, your current workflow or current methodology of of building up that content and publishing it. Um, and that's uh, where um, our uh, page builder integration come in come in where uh, we're natively integrating with uh, Gutenberg, Beaver Builder, and Elementor. So uh, you get your pick of the litter for uh, for how you want to create your content, and that's just uh, the out-of-the-box solutions. Obviously, that's uh, it's uh, the whole architecture is built to, to allow for that uh, uh, customizability and extensibility. Uh, and that moves over into the section, the second part of, of the cost of, of owning a composable solution like this, um, and that's managing it. Uh, and that's where developers come in. So you need to be able to provide a, a rich, um, exhaustive this, uh, uh, documentation there and have all the the checks in place and the, the the hooks in place to to be able to accurately and and efficiently extend it or modify it to your particular needs. And with the XP toolkit, that's built into it, and it's uh, one of the the main uh, the main concepts that uh, that we've identified when uh, in uh, first architecturing this uh, uh, this product that it should um, allow for uh, for customizability for that uh, white glove service where um, you are able to. Uh, extend it or modify it to suit your uh, your actual needs. Um, that comes into play with code standards as well, with the architecture itself, with uh, performance of it, and uh, all the other uh, bits and pieces that make for a, a great software product. But you, Corey, you mentioned um, data ownership, and Pat can explain it more than I can. But business wise we have seen more and more of our clients say, yes, we're now connecting to all these things. We're now using these APIs. We wanna own that data. We don't want it to sit out on the SaaS or we wanna make sure that we have real time replication and so forth and so on. So Pat, if you wanna describe that for a minute, this is like the cutting edge of where some of our most interesting clients are, are trying to see where they can interact in a new way. It's about first-party data. I'm a business. I engage with my customers. Um, there's a lot of concerns around privacy and data ownership uh, when your data gets sold and resold and reused. So one of the flip sides to the advantage of having all these SaaS services out there is you're potentially spreading customer data around to 30, 40, 50, 60, you know, whoever, all these different people who then turn around and repurpose it, repackage it, you know, what have you. Um, you know, you load a script on your site to, uh, to bring in uh, uh, tags of some kind and you sit there and watch the network side, the network connection in your browser. And, you know, there's all these remote connections being made because of the relationships that they have with these other services, which are then getting into your content. And so, you, you know, your user data is going everywhere. So this idea of first party data is, is, is big. Um, it's one of the things that 
uh, is attractive about an own your data stance. So me as a, me as a business owner, setting up my website and engaging with my customers, the more I can keep the data just between us, my customers and myself, the better. So that, that's, I mean, that's kind of a, a, a yeah, in a nutshell, that's wrapped around that. It makes it way more, it makes its open source approach of using WordPress as this hub, which has a privacy API that you can hook into, which, you know, you can retain the data there within, within your system. And if you don't have to send it out to a third-party service, you know, don't. See, that's the perspective I was missing. And I appreciate that too, is like, that's your, that's priceless. That's the customer being able to pull a customer in a paying customer, keep a paying customer. That's enormous. So that side, of that, I wasn't seeing that initially. I was seeing the privacy side of like, okay, well, with GDPR PR and the emphasis for good reason on privacy and your data is out there. Google and others have been talking about this for a while. And I've kind of been watching with the smile going, I wonder how they're going to figure this out because more and more people are going to say, I want control of the data. And so it makes sense to me from that side is from a business perspective that you do own it because then you control it. Okay. So here's the burning question and uh, we're, we'll wrap up, but um, I'm really curious from being a product guy, doing products more on the consumer level, how does a product like this make money on the enterprise and how do you support that? Um, so who wants to take it? <laughs> I'll, I'll take the first stab at it, I guess, but uh, I, I know I know there's opinions here. Um, so the bottom line here is um, you're not selling a volume of licenses. You're selling very few licenses, so they're expensive. And you're not necessarily even selling it based on a license. You're selling it based on the install process. It might actually have consultancy in it. It might have... Um, support on the tail end of installing it. And you're also getting paid basically for that support. So you can say there's an install cost and then there's a maintenance cost that is like the yearly license you have um, with a consumer product, but literally add a few zeros. And even if you're selling relatively few licenses a year, different numbers for different products, um, you adapt the pricing to make sure that you're making money. Uh, as long as you're solving a problem that an enterprise client needs deeply and well, and you've followed some of the things that have been talked about today, um, it's just a matter of doing that. But you have to know your market. And what we didn't touch on today is really knowing what you're solving and knowing that there's a market there. But financially, honestly, it's it's just about making sure that you understand what you're, the value you're bringing to your customer and charging appropriately. It's not about one-off licenses. Well, from a business perspective, I see too, it's not just, you know, we could kind of amortize development costs and support costs because it was, okay, if 10,000 people buy this, it's $80, whatever it might be. You know, but this with the scenario of like the Mount Everest, like there's a there's one part that's a helicopter flying into base camp, and then there's a team, Alex, Pat, others on their teams, helping you get to where you're going. Which means it's not a one size fits all route to that. Uh, and then we haven't even touched on the maintenance side of it. Like it's not just delivering that 
path. It's maintaining that path when all these things flying in that could potentially break or cause issues. Well, thanks you three for talking about WordPress products on the enterprise. Um, I'm very compelled. I'm so glad companies like cloud crowd favor to doing this because, um, as WordPress grows and more and more people go, we want WordPress solutions, especially on the enterprise. That just helps the whole entire ecosystem. And as we're serving those clients, users, customers better, that bodes well for all of us. And as you mentioned, like there's so many of these SaaS solutions that have come into that space, but there's unique needs you've identified from running your data, first party data thing that Kareem was saying, um, that need for customization when they want to try something out. I think that's pretty compelling, but anything left that you all wanted to share as we run this down? Well, I'll get in trouble with um, Alex if I don't mention this up front to the wider WordPress community out there. Um, take a look at the DXP toolkit that we have up on the repository. If you have ideas on how to make connections to other products and other things, we'd love to collaborate. Um, let us know. Give us a call. Awesome. So go find DXP toolkit on the repo. And then also, Alex, where, where do they find more information about the product that you're building? txptoolkit.com that's the first place you you can look at uh, we also have a lot of content available on craftfair.com as well uh, talking about the XP toolkit and all the cool things uh, it's able to do um, it's uh, all this conversation has really reminded me of uh, the first time I joined the crowd favorite and uh, the research I did like let's see what's uh, what's all the the buzz about this uh, this company I'm applying for uh, and the two things that that really uh, that I've re-identified was their uh, uh, enterprise expertise and um, that white glove uh, very uh, highly sought after um, um, client experience and that's absolutely um, echoed into into the the products as well where um you are able to to help inform and drive uh, the products roadmap and the user experience doesn't just start and end at uh, the plugin installation it goes from the website all the way until the until the very end where uh, you do get the option for uh, or you do get the advantage of having that uh, that very uh, specific and very uh, personalized uh, customer support uh, so yeah thanks for taking the time and uh, i really enjoyed uh, talking uh, products with you you too. Just a side note. So Alex and I got to meet last week. I think I mentioned got a private demo and we'll be deploying this on post in the month or two. And uh, I'm really looking forward to that because I want to try these type of things, even when we're not at the enterprise level, but I look forward to that. Thanks, Alex, Pat, and Kareem, as always. Appreciate you all and what you do in WordPress on the enterprise. Thanks everybody else for tuning in today and we'll talk to you the next time. Thank you, Corey. Thank you. Awesome. Have a great day. See ya.